0: Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send In the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company,
1: CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen & DePrisco,
0: Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of King's Park. Here are your hosts, Mark and A.J., Joining us now is the radio voice of the Cleveland Indians. He was also the host of the Indians' warm-up and tribe talk on WTAM. He joined the Indians in 2007 after spending 11 years as the play-by-play voice of the AAA Buffalo Bisons. Initially serving as the engineer producer of the radio broadcast in 2010, he eventually added the role of broadcaster to his responsibilities. In 2012, he became Tom Hamilton's full-time partner following the retirement of Mike Hegan. With the Bisons, he called an impressive 1,600. 28 games, just 44 contests shy of the all-time record for most in team history, and AJ, would you happen to guess who that was held by? He, he's been a, a, multiple times on this show, by the way. But not for baseball. Not for baseball. But if you were paying attention, you would have known it was Pete Weber. He's the only broadcaster to call three Bisons championships, 1997, 1998, 2004. He was also the play-by-play announcer for the 2002 AAA All-Star Game. In 2011, he was inducted into the Bisons Hall of Fame along with former Major League Baseball player, American League Manager of the Year 2003, Tony Pena. It is a pleasure to welcome Jim Rosenhaus to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Jim.
1: Holy smokes, that was quite a build-up there, Mark.
0: <laughs> now, now we've ran out of time, by the way. <laughs> hey, right. Thank so, you. And now we have to go to commercial break.
1: <laughs> so welcome, Jim. You yeah. missed out. I did something in <laughs> kindergarten, too. <laughs> if You could go back and slide that in there. <laughs> uh,
0: 1,628 games in Buffalo. Some would probably consider that cruel and unusual punishment. You know, the past seasons of, of Cleveland Indians baseball has been something pretty special. After losing to the Cubs in the World Series, this season, they go on to break the Oakland A's record of consecutive wins. What was it like to be able to call that streak? And as an announcer, have you been through anything like that?
1: No. And, and you know, it's surprising because, obviously, last October was, was tremendous when when the Indians made it to a Game 7 in the World Series. It was just a, a wonderful October and somewhat unexpected. And, and so that would be a similarity. I mean, you don't expect to win... Twenty-two games in a row. You don't expect to win ten in a row uh, in the major leagues. I think you get to ten in a row in the big leagues, and that's uh, that's a major streak. And this one just kept going. So, you know, it was funny because um, it wasn't like they were extended at, at any point in the twenty-two games until the last win. They, they never really had to come from behind late in the game. Uh, the the run differential during the streak was ridiculous. It was almost a hundred runs difference. So. You know, it was kind of just business as usual night after night. And then, you know, it's something that all of a sudden you look up and and uh, the franchise record streak was 14. So when they got to that and, and made it 15, uh, that was special. And, and then you start looking at the Oakland Athletics record, and, and they get to that and they pass that. So that was special. And uh, it just kept getting better. But it, it kind of snuck up because, you know, it wasn't as if they were – you know, changing the rotation or anything like that or or overextending their bullpen to, to lock down games. They just kind of, they were in that mode because of the time of the season it was, late August, early September. They were just trying to nail down their playoff spot and win the division, and, and they they really just went about it along those lines. And you look up and they've won 22 in a row. It was remarkable.
0: You know, lots of people, including myself, felt that this might be a rematch going in this year of the Cubs and Indians and maybe the Indians get to break a curse of their own, that being the Rocky Calavito curse. That being said, you know, knowing how Met fans reacted after going to trip to World Series, such high expectations, then falling short and then crashing and burning this year, what was it like for the fan base to witness, you know, going up two nothing against the Yankees and then to lose those three straight? What what's it like in Cleveland and, and what did you see, you know, that Maybe, in games three and four, maybe there was some reason for concern. you know it was
1: tough. People here were really disappointed because they they thought um, that they would get back to the World Series, and especially uh, the way the regular season went, because early on, there was some of that hangover, I think, uh, and they started slow. they at one point, they were forty eight and forty five. So you know they're into the second half of the season, just three games over five hundred. But then they have this tremendous second half that features the win streak. They win over 100 games, and then, boom, it's gone in one series. After they were up 2 nothing, now, in fairness to the Yankees, uh, you know you could make a case that the Indians should not have won game two. Uh, there was a controversial call that, that was not reviewed. Uh, ridiculous comeback by the Indians. Um, but you could also make a case that the Indians could have swept that series if Brett Gardner, instead of Aaron Judge, is playing right field in game three, uh, Lindor has a two-run home run, and, and maybe the Indians win two to one, and they come home with a three-game sweep. So, But I think when all was said and done, uh, the Indians just did not hit. Tip of the cap, the Yankees pitching was excellent. Uh, they knew going in that the bullpens, if there was one bullpen in baseball that could match up with the Indians and dare I say, be better than the Indians. You could make a case that the Yankees' pen uh, had the upper hand. So they knew that going in. And and I think what surprised a lot of folks was was how good the starting pitching was. And and just in general, Yankees pitching held the Indians in check. I mean, their star players did not hit. And and I think that's what was really disappointing for fans here. Uh, After all season, seeing the numbers that Francisco Lindor put up, and, and Jose Ramirez put up, and they didn't come close to that in the postseason.
0: So we can get to the main reason for this talking to you tonight in a couple of seconds. Before we do that, looking ahead and looking ahead to next year for the Indians, what is the talk of, what is the lesson, what is the feeling that the Indians need to do to get back there again next year to get back into the World Series other than bring the same people back and stay healthy?
1: Well, you know, I think there were some things going into the postseason roster-wise that that were a stretch, and they were – I mean, their outfield was a mess because of injuries.
0: Who's playing center and field there, is a question, yeah.
1: Yeah, and just, uh, you know, Brandley was hurt, right. and they had him on the roster to try and see what they could get out of him. And he hadn't played for two months, and they you know, hey, go ahead and hit some of the best <laughs> pitching you'll see, yeah. you know, with with no – you know, with really very few at bats going in. Same with Lonnie Chisenhall and things like that. And again, every team has injuries, but you just what I'm saying is, last year everything fit, and and when they put the roster together this year, there were some kind of leaps of faith that didn't work out, didn't work out at all. And um, so I think that the key is they have a really good team, and they'll try and stay the course. They need to sign some some players that have contracts that are up um, so that'll be a key but they still have marvelous starting pitching uh the bullpen still intact and they'll do some things with their lineup that that'll get it going again and I think they'll be they they should be a contender again next year I'd be shocked if they weren't
0: you know it's interesting because after game 2 with with that big comeback we were here that next day and we were talking yep. about that even here in New York when you watch a team like Cleveland they were a very likable team. Whether it be the way Lindor goes about, is always smiling, and, and we mentioned the big hit in that game was Jan Gomes. And, and you know right away, you know when he was on television, the the first thing out of his mouth was wishing his wife a happy anniversary. So I'm wondering, <laughs> getting to, to cover that team, you know we've each we've been, all been around teams that you just really enjoy being around. Is this team, you know, from the outside, that's what it appears to be. Is this team a special group of guys, is it just fun to be around them all the time? It really is. And and
1: and I think what you saw from from Jan Gomes is typical of this ball club and that's why you know you, have, you only have your windows only open so long. And I, and you know people say well that's for small market teams, but I think that's for any team. Um you, and You have a a certain group of players together that get along, um, will do anything for each other. I mean, I I know you kind of mentioned real quick there about Kipnis going to center field. (laughs) You know, here's a career second baseman, and he's hurt. And when he comes back, the infield looks pretty good without him. And all of a sudden, there's injuries galore in the outfield, and Terry Francona goes to him and says, hey, I know you played outfield in college. What do you think? I said, hey, I'll do anything I can to help the team. I don't have to play second base. That's not something that you know, I need to do because of my status as someone who's been really good for a long time. So it, you know, it's. I think it's that type of ball club. And the great example, when Andrew Miller was traded over here last year from New York, uh, Cody Allen's the closer. Cody Allen, before the trade was made, had heard some rumblings that they were looking at Andrew Miller, and he went to Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff In the front office, he said, guys, do not even give it a second thought that I care about closing games. If you can get Andrew Miller, get him. That'll help us get to the World Series, and I don't care where you use me. Use me wherever. If he's got to close, let him close. And Miller was the same way when he got here. So I think when you have that kind of thing going on, it's good. And I think it starts with Terry Francona in the manager's office, but... It is a likable team, and it's been a real fun team to be around. And, and you hope they can kind of keep it going as long as they can. There's, a, there's a you know certainly a time limit on it, but I think that window is still open next year, and, and they'll try and take advantage of it.
0: You know, and for you people that are going to be studying for the SATs, Kipnis is to center field as Mickey Stanley yeah, is to shortstop. It, is is the More correct answer? I believe that. Um, all right. So one of the questions you mentioned about retaining certain guys. Um, is Jay Bruce high on the Cleveland Indians must retain list?
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And uh, boy, you talk about a trade that, that came at the right time. It, it was remarkable. Brantley goes down with an ankle injury on a Wednesday night, and they play Thursday afternoon, and then travel to St. Petersburg to go play Tampa Bay. And by the time the team landed, Jay Bruce was an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously they've been working on it, but I've, that certainly kind of created some urgency and they got the deal done and he was tremendous he was tremendous uh, i think uh, obviously on the field the numbers were there several key hits um and then really fit in quickly in the clubhouse and so i think for those reasons they'll do what they can to keep him the for the indians the market has to play itself out in a, in a positive way for them that's the only way they got Edward Encarnacion. Uh, if he got what he was looking for, or if he had taken what the Blue Chase had offered him originally, uh, the, the Indians wouldn't have competed with that. But we'll see what the market does for. I mean, look, last year Mark Trumbo was coming off leading the major leagues in home runs, and, and he really struggled to get a good contract, and finally settled with the Orioles. And so you never know. We'll see what the market is for outfielder, first base. I don't, They don't see Bruce as a DH, but that outfield first base type with some power, You know, we'll see what the market does, but they'd love to keep him.
0: You know, one guy who appears not to be returning is pitching coach Mickey Callaway, as numerous reports have him here as the New York Mets' next manager. As someone who's been around him an awful lot, can you tell us what Mets fans can look forward to uh, having him here in the fold as a manager?
1: Well, you know, it would be interesting to see uh, how he can transition from pitching coach to managing, but here's here's the key. Um, I heard that he was interviewing with the Mets, and when I heard that he got an interview, I figured he's gone. <laughs> he won't be back with Cleveland because he, he's tremendously prepared. And you got to remember when Terry Francona was hired here back in 2013, Mickey Callaway, I think, had one season as a minor league pitching coach at the single-A level, and then was the minor league pitching coordinator for maybe two seasons. So he was very early in his career as a pitching coach, but they gave him an interview with Tito, and, and Terry had some some other candidates for sure, people that he knew a lot better. He did not know Mickey Calloway at all, had never met him, and Mickey blew him away in the interview. And... Four days after he was hired, the big project was Ubaldo Jimenez, who was coming off a a tough year the year before. How are they going to fix Ubaldo Jimenez? Four days after he's hired as pitching coach, he's in the Dominican Republic working with Jimenez in late November, early December to try and get him turned around. And as it turns out, Jimenez was a huge key for the Indians down the stretch in 2013 when they earned a wild card spot. So that's just one example that he's extremely organized, tremendously prepared and the numbers speak for themselves the indians pitching staff has been their bread and butter uh... during this really nice run here since 2013 and if he can have that type of impact on the mets pitching staff and then have that spill over into the other areas that he'll be responsible for as a manager uh, i think the mets have have a real good one there and i know you know obviously any team that's in search of a manager has some issues that they're trying to work through but um, communication's huge for him, and so that'll probably be the biggest key for him. but I don't think anyone who has met him, has worked with him here in Cleveland has any doubts that he can be successful as a major league manager.:
0: We're talking Jim Rosenhaus, the radio voice of the Cleveland Indians. Jim, how big a metrics guy is he versus you know what he sees and feels?
1: You know um, I don't know. What percentage you put on that? But he believes clearly in uh, that blend of of scouting and then trying to balance. For instance, say a Corey Kluber. Uh, You know what are his signature pitches? That wipeout breaking pitch and that two seam fastball. But are they going to look at what the strengths are of the opposition? Absolutely. So he's he's pretty darn good at balancing that. But. Some of the other stuff that they work with, Mike Clevenger was, was the four-starter in rotation, ended up winning a dozen games this year. And he struggled early, and the analytics department brought down some, some charts that showed where his pitches ended up when the catchers set up in certain areas behind home plate, whether it be right in the middle of the plate or if they set up on the corners, and how his walk rate was during that time. All analytics stuff. And... Clevenger said you know what when I took off it was because of this analytics stuff that they brought to me to show me where the catcher needed to set up they talked about it with the catchers they did it set up in a different spot and all of a sudden he's throwing strikes and getting people out and went on a real nice run down the stretch so if if there's a need for the analytics he uses it but if if it's more about just a pitcher pitching to his strengths they'll stay with that and there's no reason to say they can't switch halfway through or, or after several starts if it doesn't work. But the, here's the one thing that, that's been really impressive with him. Every year the pitchers have gotten stronger as the season has gone along, and they've been way better in the second half than in the first half. And that sometimes that's hard to do because that means you're dealing with some things in the first half that may cause you to, to look in a different direction. But he has these guys believing in him so much that, hey, just stay the course, We'll tinker with a little bit, make an adjustment here, make an adjustment there, and then they click in from the All Star break on, and it's been really, really impressive.
0: So, this is, I guess, this question is twofold. Then, all right. First of all, you you got a guy coming as a pitching coach, where a lot of the focus is not on him coming to New York, and and, you know, I know Boston media is probably the toughest. We're right there, okay, And, and social media too plays a part in it, which is horrible, but it does. Um, there are so, trolls all over the right. place. So how do you think he'll deal with the New York media? And secondly, if his strong suit is pitching, all right, this Met team will live and die. I mean, they have assets that if they can get what's supposed to be out of these guys, they, they should be a 92 to 95, maybe even 100 win team if all the pitching is right. You know, How does he walk that line of either finding a pitching coach that has the same Philosophy as he does, and not spending too much time similar to what Rex Ryan did as a head coach here, you know, spending too much on the defense and letting the offense, you know, just die on the vine. How does he handle that? And can he handle that?
1: Well, I'm going to say you probably never know until the person's <laughs> in it, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to know. Um, and obviously, he did not coach for a team in the New York market. Um, this is a way easier market. <laughs> there's no, there's no other way to put it. Um, I can tell you, he's tremendous in terms of interviews and and in terms of explaining why they're doing certain things at certain times. Um, look, it, it, obviously, it is a different animal. There, um, will he get caught up in social media? Absolutely not. I mean, that's. I mean, there's no reason to. But, obviously, he would ha- he will have to deal with the media on a daily basis, and I think he'll be as straightforward as he can be with them and have to, you know, play it from there. I mean, I, I look, if the team wins, everything will be fine. If they lose, there's going to be challenges, no question. But I think when you looked at, at fits for the Mets and exactly what you said, it goes back to the Indians – their pitching has been their bread and butter during this nice stretch since 2013 and it sure seems like for the Mets it will need to be similar Um, how much he is involved in that end of it I gotta believe it's going to be a ton and he's certainly going to have some great ideas on on how to get things done from a pitching standpoint both performance-wise and then health-wise because that that seemed to be a big issue too Um, and you know, how he handles the rest of it, I don't know. I haven't seen him do that before. And he hasn't had you know, he hasn't been a manager in the minor leagues or anything like that. So that certainly will be something that will be new to him. But I can tell you he's a straightforward stand up guy and that certainly helps.
0: Lastly, we had this conversation in the open AJ and I talking about the fact that we kind of thought it's a good hire, first of all, because, again, the Mets' yeah. assets, they're clearly pitching-based. So you need a guy who understands pitching, and, and, and we like that. And especially, we talked about how the game has changed, going back to Sparky Anderson, and how the bullpen has evolved to really having to manage your bullpen. Who better to manage a bullpen than a pitcher? But in the analytics age where you you define everything by math, I went back, and it's interesting to note that the use of the bullpen has changed so much, and maybe managers are behind that curve. And the evidence shows that catchers, 21.6%, infielders, 42.9%, were overrepresented among managers viewed in terms of total number of major league players at each position. In contrast, pitchers, 10.4%, outfielders, 16.6%, for all three positions, were underrepresented. Clark Griffin won thre- 237 games as a pitcher, 1,491 as a manager. Walter Johnson what? Yeah, Walter yeah. Johnson had three 90-win seasons as a manager. But then the names of former pitchers who did well are, are few and far between. I guess the names you throw in that debate are Tommy Lasorda, Dallas Green, and Roger Craig. So I guess the question is, with such emphasis on the bullpen, do you think we're going to now see a shift? where more and more pitchers are going to become managers.
1: Man, you guys have done some serious preparation here on that show. (laughs) That's impressive right there. Um, You know, I don't know. I I think, I mean, Mickey Calloway's in a great spot because the Indians pitching has been outstanding, and he's obviously gotten favorable reviews from the Indians front office and their manager, Terry Francona. I think it's an individual thing, you know, you look out there right now i think bud black has done a nice job as a major league manager former pitcher but you're right i mean you look around and there's not many um it'll be interesting i mean i don't know if you know bullpen usage is is a reason why he should get this job or not get the job um you know because of familiarity on how to use a bullpen i mean you look at the the ALCS, Verlander's thrown 124 pitches for a team that, that is right. about as heavy <laughs> analytic as you can possibly be, the Houston Astros. Their, their analytics people were probably cringing with each inning that he was throwing as that game got deeper. But so who knows? Maybe it goes in cycles. I can tell you, um, you know, when Corey Kluber was pitching, uh, bullpen usage went out the window. He'd throw seven, eight, nine innings because... They knew he would get better as the game went along, and I think that's what's good about about Mickey Callaway is, yes, the analytics will be there, and, and he will use that uh, as much as anybody, but he'll also look at who the pitcher is. Are they getting better? You know, has, has the game, you know, has it been a rough five innings, even though they've only allowed one run, or or has it have they been sailing through, you know, that type of thing? I think he's pretty good in terms of feel. Does that answer your question on whether more, more pitchers should become major managers? Probably not. No, it, Probably not. No, no, it, yeah, I think it, in this case, it fits. And, you know, who knows? Maybe the Mets still struggle three years from now, and, and he's a reason why. But it's not going to be for lack of trying. I mean, he, he will not leave, leave any stone unturned in, in trying to figure out how to get the most out of that pitching staff. And I know as a manager there's more to it than just the pitching staff. So let's face it, it's a pretty darn big part of it.
0: And I'm sure if he had any concerns about New York media, he could go to his former GM, Mike Chernoff, and ask him, you know, how does his dad's <laughs> station, WFAN, right. handle the media with right. the players and managers in New York? So, Jim, we really appreciate you taking out some time to talk about it, because obviously it's going to be, you know, covering the papers every single day for the next week right. for sure, especially now that the Yankees are eliminated. Right. This is going to be front and center. So we really appreciate the insight into what looks to be the Mets' newest manager, Mickey Call way. So thanks so much, Jim.
1: You got it, guys. I think you'll enjoy him. I really do. And and I think he'll do a good job for them.
0: Thank you. Jim Rosenhaus, voice of the Cleveland Indians.